Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss my long time coming and often forewarned rant about recent news in theatrical distribution. Welcome back to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a weekly Marvel recap podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get going, please take a moment to hit that like and subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. That helps us out a lot. Thanks, Doctor Strange. Thanks, Doctor Strange. My name is Tyler Borland, <laughs> and with me always is... I'm Daddy! Daddy Vincent! And I'm confused about our title! Why is it... With Ty and Dan. Danny. That's this, not our name. This is not the musical episode. That, that's next week. I never week. told you that uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, I was in the Drowsy Chaperone. That's where that song was from. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, obviously it's not I'm Danny, Danny Vincent in the Drowsy Chaperone. <laughs> but what happened was, is I, uh, I was just in the chorus, but I was a newspaper recorder. And at the end of the song, I tripped and fell on my knees and slid towards like the person the song was about and the choreographer was like that's great let's keep it in great idea danny and i was like oh but my knees really hurt uh and then they wrote then they wrote a song about me backstage that was like that oh it was my like, goodness it's danny danny vincent here to take janet's picture watch him stumble on the stage we'll keep it in <laughs> oh that's too good <laughs> yeah freshman year of high school what a time anyway (laughs) this is an mcu podcast not a theater podcast we 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 confirmed that last week uh but so next we will be discussing the mcu news and we have one big piece of mcu news which is that variety is reporting that a hawkeye spinoff series about the character echo is in early development for disney plus now, what I want to say about this, Tyler, don't worry, Tyler, you might be wondering, who's Echo? I don't know who that is. Who's Echo? I don't know who that is. Who's Echo? I don't know who that is. And I'll tell you that that was a really cheesy joke I just made. Boom, boom. Uh, it's so cheesy, Tyler didn't even laugh. <laughs> I was letting you have your moment. <laughs> Thanks. I, you know, I'm going to have my moment later, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... The news is uh, two people are going to write and executive produce the show, and the writer's room is being assembled. Well, one of these people is Eaton Cohen. And I don't know if you know the story about Eaton Cohen that I always talk about. I believe Eaton Cohen is the one who wrote the original Garfield movie. Uh, and Bill Murray always talks, like, people, people always ask Bill Murray, why did you do Garfield? And he's like, well, I saw that it was written by Ethan Cohen, one of the Cohen brothers. And I was like, huh. I'm surprised they're doing a Garfield movie, but you know what? I've always wanted to work with them. But then he discovered that it's, one, it's Ethan, not Ethan Cohen, but it's Cohen with an H in their name, whereas the Cohen brothers spelled their name C-O-E-N. So he was like, oh. <laughs> oh, Bill. I signed a contract. Oh, oh. oh no. <laughs> and didn't he do a sequel? And that's why. What? Wasn't there a sequel, I... too? Yeah, but I think you, you, you um, when you, you know contracts are hard to get out of yeah yeah um but i always think about that whenever i see this guy's name in the news uh 
And I'll be honest, um, this would be really exciting news for me if it wasn't him attached. But we'll see, I guess. Because I don't really... Don't know if I trust this guy with anything. Because he also did, I think, the, um... That Will Ferrell Sherlock Holmes movie that came out maybe a couple years ago. I honestly oh, yeah. don't remember when it came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So he made a lot of bad movies, but it sounds like he's doing it with his wife or with his sister. I don't know. <laughs> One of those two. They have the same last name. Maybe it's his mom. Maybe it's his daughter. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe she'll keep him in check. I don't know. Um but anyway, tell us about Echo, since I know pretty much no one listening to this knows who Echo is. Alright, so... I didn't until I saw this news. Echo, or Maya Lopez, is an interesting choice for uh, Disney+. Plus. She is a deaf Native American in the comics, so I hope Marvel Studios decides to stick with it, because this represent- representation is needed in the MCU. Um, here's well, a... I will tell you right yeah. now, before you continue, that I'd be pretty shocked if they don't, because... Definitely. The actress they have playing her is Native American and deaf. So, um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. uh, That they're accurate. They're being accurate with it. Uh, Oh, and cool. Sorry, go. We can go on. I'm just looking at the cast that's here. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to. Well, I actually can't find her name, weirdly. (laughs) It says Cox. Like, it's the article has already said her name. Yeah. But I can't find her name. So oh. it's like, oh, okay. And then it's also auto-playing a Jeremy Renner ad. <laughs> and the last time I needed a Jeremy Renner ad was when I got his app. So <laughs> uh, so here's a plot twist that I think will play nicely with some Spider-Man 3 rumors. Echo's father, and eventually Echo, worked for a just a tiny little character named Fisk or Kingpin. Um, those of you who are Into fans, the Norfio. Yeah, those... those uh, those of you who are fans of Into the Spider-Verse, yep, that's the same same guy. Um, in one of the comics, Fisk uses Echo to get close to Daredevil. Um, so I know there are rumor, Spider-Man 3 rumors that will have Daredevil show up in, in that case. Um, so maybe this is a way that we, we, get, we get to this point in the MCU where, with uh, interaction between uh, Echo and Daredevil. Um, on another note, Maya Lopez also becomes Ronin at one point. Listeners might recognize that moniker as well as what uh, Hawkeye took up during the five-year gap in Endgame. In the comics, however, Maya was actually Ronin before Hawkeye, so it will be interesting what Marvel Studios will do with that. Um, and before we continue, I got the info. Uh, I'm going to try to say her first name. Uh, if I get it wrong, I apologize in advance. Uh, Alaqua Cox will be playing Echo, who's a newcomer, who, as I said, is a deaf Native American actress. Uh, but her father is going to be in Hawkeye as well, because it's a Hawkeye spinoff. Yeah. Right? So these characters will be in the Hawkeye show. Uh, and Zan, uh, Zon McLaren, hope I pronounced that right too, uh, <laughs> will be playing her father. And he's actually a really good actor. He was in um, the Fargo show, mm-hmm. uh, which I well, the second season of the Fargo show exclusively, which is a big deal because I've only seen the second season of the Fargo show. <laughs> I've not seen anything else of it, but I remember he was very good in it. He was also in Doctor Sleep, uh, which is a pretty solid movie mm. too. Um, in Togo, which is a good uh, if you're looking for a movie to watch with your parents on Disney Plus, highly recommend Togo. 
not much to dislike in it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, back to Tyler's MC Marvel history. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Echo's <laughs> powers are that she can watch and replicate the moves of other people, which sounds very similar to the Taskmaster villain coming out in the ever-elusive MCU film Black Widow. Uh, she is. We're not talking about it yet. <laughs> We're not talking about Black Widow. Well, <laughs> I bring that up because I think it it would be it would be kind of cool if maybe Taskmaster was Echo. Now that's off on some big speculation there, um, but that would be quite. Maybe a the post credit scene will tie in because we know Hawkeye as a show ties into Black Widow. Yeah, because uh, the new Black Widow is in it. So, yeah. Uh, she is also yeah, anyway. <laughs> she is also a master martial artist, which relates to Shang Chi releasing later this year. Maybe we get her introduction in the Ten Rings tournament. Um, she is also multilingual in the sense that she can read, write, and speak foreign languages after the first time she has seen them written or spoken. Uh, she also has a fighting staff made of vibranium at one point in the comics. Other comics events and characters that Echo is involved with include Civil War, Secret Invasion, World War Hulk, Elektra, Doctor Strange, Moon Knight, and Namor. Ooh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight might actually be relevant. Though, yeah. I feel like, you know, Moon Knight's, Moon Knight's gonna happen. I've actually, I think it's supposed to be filming, if not now, very soon. So, yeah. And we'll, we'll I don't know, I think this sounds Secret cool. Invasion, too. Oh, that's true, but I... The Secret Invasion thing, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I think Secret Invasion in the MCU is going to be very different from what it is in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I assume Moon Knight will at least be like Moon Knight in some form. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, I think this sounds cool. I'm down for a deaf Native American lead in the MCU. That sounds really cool to me. Um, I'm also down for a Hawkeye spinoff. Hawkeye's the best. Everyone knows Jeremy Renner's the one great actor in the MCU. Oh, I'm kidding. But, I don't know, this sounds cool. And I also think it's pretty confident of them to go ahead with a spinoff before they've even, like... I don't think the show is done even getting... I don't... The show's in the middle of filming, I believe. Yeah. I don't think Hawkeye's wrapped. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, they, they've got to feel yeah. pretty confident in the show to go ahead and announce And it hurts. She's never this. acted before, I believe. Yeah. 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 But... Yeah, I'm down for. It. I'm also down for it because, as I said with Miss Marvel, I think Disney Plus will best be used for these younger heroes, um, where they can be a bit more. I don't want to say kitty, but I think superheroes should be for the family, mm-hmm. not for just adults. Sorry, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, sure. And then she can meet up with Miss Marvel, and they can have a little. Fun. they can have fun together yay yeah i don't know yeah well there there is a possibility right? if if they keep her age um close to miss marvel then we could also get her in young avengers as well when that comes along yeah that's so very true yeah it could be setting up that. some yeah. more uh young avengers well i think her age i think we can look up the actress's age you know she's yeah we have an actress which is unusual usually then these things get announced we don't have an actress yet we do not have an age, but I can look at a photo and I'm pretty sure she's pretty young. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I would say she's young. Uh, next up is our bigger news this week that we will be... Well, we can discuss the first part of it right now, really. 
and that's the Disney moves. Um, one of the one we won't discuss. Well, we can discuss it briefly, yeah, right? Yeah. Now. Uh, but I'll go more into depth on why I don't like it when <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, and that's Black Widow moved to July 9th, but will also be on Disney Premier Access, Disney Plus Premier Access. Uh, and then Shang Chi, since Shang Chi was on July 9th, it's now on September 3rd. Oh, and before we continue, I forgot. I need to apologize to Alexandra Byrne, who I shaded last week for being a white costume designer working on Mulan, who was Oscar nominated. I could still shade whoever that costume designer is, but it's not Alexandra Byrne. She did the costumes for Emma, which is what she's Oscar nominated for. My apologies, Alexandra Byrne. You're cool in my book now. Please win the Oscars so that way I'm not canceled. No, I'm kidding. But you'd be a good choice to win. Anyway, so Black Widow and Shang-Chi moved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Shang-Chi date is weird. The, the Shang-Chi move, I'm not sure why why it moved because black widow and cruella switch spots correct no 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 black widow was scheduled for the first weekend of may yeah cruella is still on memorial day weekend black oh. widow got moved to july yeah i'm not i'm not sure why black widow moved anymore yeah. because this film's been wrapped up for <laughs> quite a while i don't i don't want to i don't want to get into that yet because that's part of what i'll be talking about in the yeah. green room but I think the Black Widow move is like adding insult to injury. Uh, <laughs> that's basically my take unless, on it. Because July 9th, unless they're trying to frame that around July 4th, like. No, because Top Gun's coming out on July 4th. So oh. it's already a pretty big July 4th movie. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm going to be very honest. You can't really be like, oh, I'm putting it on July 9th for July 4th. Right. It's like saying. I'm putting a movie out on January 2nd to celebrate Christmas. No, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't have any anything. I'm I just want Black I want, I want to watch Black Widow. And, and yes, I definitely want to watch it in theaters. Um and so I'm the only speculation I have is that maybe they moved it to July 9th hoping that theaters theaters will be fully open by then. But, like, you and I had discussed uh, before, uh, why announce we, we, it to announce on Disney premiere, you know? Let's let's hold let's hold that discussion for a little bit. Yeah. Let's put a pin in it. Because um, I have thoughts, but they're related to my overall thoughts. Sure. Uh, but we can discuss Shang-Chi still, because I think Shang-Chi moving to Labor Day is weird. Because Labor Day weekend is actually historically not a good weekend for box office. Right. Last year it had a blockbuster on it, but I need to put that in air quotes because 2020 having a blockbuster after February kind of wasn't a thing. Um, but it had Tenet on that date. Mm. Um, so it cost a lot of money. It didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. But Tenet came out on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I was going to say Labor Tenet weekend... bombed in theaters. Did it? Well, well I mean, compared to everything what it... last year. Exactly. Compared well, to what it well, would have okay. done. Mmm. Do you want me to talk about this now, or do you want me to save it for the groom? Because I can discuss the Tenet box office. Yeah, no, we, we can talk about it think... now. Okay, so Tenet, I would say, actually did very well everywhere besides the U.S. Oh. Uh, it didn't do what it would have done before the pandemic, right. obviously, but it did a very respectful amount. The reason Tenet is viewed as a bomb is because it completely cratered here because we were not in the same place Europe was last September, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
But where places were safe enough for you to go to a movie with masks on uh, and socially distant, it did pretty well. Uh, but yeah, the reason why the cold feet... Ha- I actually think that was part of... I wished... I remember back when they announced Tenet was coming out on Labor Day. They said in select territories and it will come out in other territories and it becomes more available. I initially had read that as Tenet will come out in Europe now and when the U.S. is ready for it, we'll put it out here. What it actually meant was we're putting it out in the U.S. and whatever theaters are open in September, which I think was a very poor mistake. Mm-hmm. If they'd waited till now, where New York and L.A. are finally reopening to put out Tenet in the U.S. and they had like kept it in home video, you know what I mean, not put it out on home video yet, yeah. um, overseas too, so it wouldn't be like a high-quality uh, high leak out, I think Tenet would have done, I don't want to say super well, but that's such an alternate reality too, because in that alternate reality, then the HBO Max deal doesn't exist, because the HBO Max deal is partially because of Tenet. Uh, but I also, the HBO Max deal is weird in and of itself because I get the implication also that it was in the works before Tenet, but they knew Nolan would never agree to market his film if it was under the HBO Max deal. Mm-hmm. So that possibly is it too that Tenet was rushed out before they made that HBO Max idea. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This isn't an HBO Max podcast, but I do think going back to Shang-Chi, uh, I don't know if actually September 3rd is a good date. Because the thing about Labor Day weekend is Labor Day weekend is traditionally a really bad movie-going weekend. Yeah. Granted, there's never been a big movie out on Labor Day to test that. So it's one of those things where it's like kind of like MLK Day used to be viewed as like a dumping ground for movies. But then I think like American Sniper went wide on that day and it did huge. Last year, Bad Boys for Life came out on that day and it did really well. Mm. Um, I think it's just, Or like the first weekend of October used to be like Oscar contenders all the way. But then Gravity came out then. Then The Martian came out. Last year, two years ago, sorry. Two years ago, Joker came out on that date. Um, so, you know, it's just where you put it. It, has to, it depends if the product can move. It's just that traditionally um, Labor Day hasn't been good. But I also think it might be there because Venom took the prime September date already. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Shang-Chi moves again. But not like how, you know, things get pushed back. I could say just be moving like two weeks one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Try to have more space for itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I still don't see these. They've moved moved the dates around so much with these films, um, and that's not just Disney. I mean, other studios have done it with their films too. Sony, Peter Morbius, um, Peter Peter Rabbit. Right? So uh, show Peter Rabbit some respect. So, so yeah, I I don't see these as. I don't see these dates as concrete until the movie is playing, you know, in actually playing in the And theater. speaking of that, I think that's a good transition towards our next segment. So this week in the green room. So the green room we've pitched to you, our listeners, as me and Tyler see a movie and we discuss it or a TV show or a football game at one, at one point. <laughs> Tyler just watched the football game. <laughs> um, and we discuss it with you guys. But... So, our title in the green room comes from when we were in college, there's this place in the theater department called the green room, where we generally meet before class and talk about random stuff, and it often would be like what movie we watch, but what it would also be is if there was a big piece of news in either entertainment or theater, that we're like, huh, we would discuss that, and, well, (laughs) I said on this podcast, 
in our very first episode that if Black Widow moved or went to Premiere Access, I would have a rant for you guys. And, well, here it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to go off what Tyler said about five minutes ago. And he said... Uh, Tyler, repeat your point about why did Black Widow move if it's going on Premiere Access? I don't remember what I said. <laughs> just repeat what I just said, Tyler. Jeez. <laughs> All right, so since Tyler said that uh, he doesn't get why Black Widow moves so much if it's going on Premiere Access, I would agree. I think Disney has done something really disgusting with this move for Black Widow. Not as disgusting as some other stuff, which I'll get into, but... The Black Widow move in particular is the day before Black Widow's move was announced and the move to Disney Premier Plus Premier Access was announced, um, Regal announced that they were going to reopen, I think, on April 1st for Godzilla vs. Kong, um, which is part of the HBO Max deal. Uh, But let's be real. They they weren't reopening for Godzilla vs. Kong. They're reopening for Godzilla vs. Kong. They're reopening for Mortal Kombat with the idea that the slow return of movie feeders would arrive with Black Widow in May. And then uh, what's on the schedule besides that is um, Spiral, which is the new Saw movie with Chris Rock, which I'm actually really excited for, <laughs> even though I've never seen a Saw movie. Um, the Quiet Place 2. Did I say The Quiet Place? You did. Yeah. Anyway, A Quiet Place 2 and uh, Cruella, which is on Memorial Day. Which to me, uh, oh, and Free Guy was scheduled then. Yeah. So Free Guy is no longer scheduled then. Um, but that's a decent slate of... I wouldn't say that's like a typical movie besides Black Widow. I'd say most of those are like B-level movies, but it's okay. Well, no, A Quiet Place 2 is a big deal. It just isn't necessarily big budgeted. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you can risk it a bit more. Um, however, right after that, day after that, Disney announces they're moving Black Widow to July for whatever reason. And the reason I say for whatever reason is if you weren't doing Premiere Access and you're moving in July, I'd be like, all right, I guess that makes sense. Sure. Um, if you want to make sure everyone can see it in theaters, fine. Removing it July and putting on Premiere Access should just keep it in May. You know? Everyone's ready for this movie, as we've said before. Yeah. Um, if you're putting it on Premiere Access, there is no reason to delay it two months because you don't need to worry about people getting the theaters because they'll be able to rent it at home. Um... So yeah, I think that's re- and now these theaters that were ready for Black Widow to be in theaters in May that are spending their time to reopen, literally just got it pulled away from them. What do they have now? They have they still have a Quiet Place and they have the Saw reboot, but none of these are gonna bring in people. Um, this is, at least to the extent Black Widow would, Quiet Place might. But my I guess my point is more that look at that lineup uh, that's currently coming to theaters in the next two months. I'd say God until Cruella. I'd say Godzilla versus Kong is the only one that can bring in kids. And if you look at the box office for these last few months during the pandemic, the only movies to do well are ones marketed to children. War War of Grandpa it did well, and I'm sure Tyler's never heard of War of Grandpa. I've never seen War of Grandpa, and I see everything in theaters. Um, Crude's a New Age has done insanely well. Despite being on video on demand since Christmas, it has topped the box office twice since it was on video oh, on wow. demand. Yeah, Tom and Jerry overperformed to even like probably like it did about as well probably would do without a pandemic, and it's on HBO Max. And Raya, yeah, Raya. If you look at the headlines, Raya disappointed. Raya and the Last Dragon disappointed. Yeah, but I would say the reason it disappointed is twofold. One. 
Tom and Jerry just came out the week before, and most families aren't going to go to a movie two weeks in a row, right? Right. It's it's expensive, even if you like movie theaters. Um, but also, it's like Tom and Jerry and the Croods are brands. Raya is a Disney princess, which is a brand, but it is an unknown brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Raya's been holding well, so I can't. I'm like, I think Raya's doing about as well as you can expect it. Now, but this is where we come to the real part of Danny's rant, which has to do with why I still haven't seen Soul yet, but also has to do with this week's news, which is that Luca, the next Pixar movie that's scheduled for June, I think, 18th? I'm pretty sure it's June 18th. Is, uh, if it's not June 18th, it's like June 11th. I, I think it's June 18th, because June 11th is in the Heights, and I know they're not coming out on the same day anymore. Because we've discussed that a bit on this podcast, actually. Um, but anyway, so Luca is now coming out on June 18th exclusively on Disney+. Plus. This gets me so upset. Because as I've said, I haven't seen Soul yet. I am in the process of renting a theater and buying the Blu-ray so I can watch it on the big screen. I know people are like, this is insane. But I can tell you, and this is actually, I don't know, this is kind of personal. But I feel like it's okay to mention here because it's like, people... People ask me why I haven't seen Soul, so I think it's best for me to have it on the record, is that to me, in my mind, seeing Soul in a theater was always, like, my end of pandemic plan. Now, I know we're nowhere near the end of the pandemic, but hear me through, hear me out, is that when, um, when all the theaters started closing, I was like, well, as long as I get to see Soul at the end of this, that'll be okay, because, you know, a kid's movie, well, kids, you know what I mean, a family movie an animated movie likely isn't going to come out until it's safe for everyone to come out now obviously i've been proven wrong there by other things uh like tom and jerry and Ryan. and uh but my point my my points in the crudes my point though still stands um that i always viewed it as my end of pandemic thing is i would sit down in the movie theater and watch the new pixar movie and get super like I, i i don't really cry at movies watching at home watching them at home uh whereas i assume a movie like soul is gonna make me cry because it's i know the director of it i know it's pixar for one thing pixar almost always makes me cry right um so yeah that's why i'm going to the trouble still to buy the blu-ray and rent a movie theater to watch it on the big screen because i think that to me will give me a closure from this pandemic that a lot of other things won't and i know that's weird and i know it might be trivializing other people's experiences and I don't mean to do that. And I think for people who needed Soul at Christmas, I'm glad they got it. But for me, it was just a punch in the gut that it wasn't available in theaters. Whereas I could see Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters, right? And I have HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there was a dual release. Uh, so to me, the fact that Soul wasn't available was just like... Ugh. But anyway, going back to Luca here. This, to me, is just an outright blatant... Uh, punch the feeders even more so than black widow being on disney plus because it's a it's again it's a pixar movie family movies are doing well during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and it comes out in summer and i make i made tyler watch the luca trailer before this so he know basically what i'm talking about with this is that to me luca looks like the whole point of it is is that you need to go to see it in yeah. the movie theater and yeah. the whole like <laughs> it's about kids hanging out in summer and i want to i want to piggyback off of that is that like when i was watching it i thought this is a film that i can imagine it is 
it's a hundred degrees outside in the middle of June and I walk in, it's so it's so humid and it's just nasty sticky outside. I walk in the cool movie theater, I say Exactly one or two tickets for Luca, I get my jumbo popcorn, my jumbo Dr. Pepper, and then I sit down and I watch Luca like it this film it looks so it, summer it vibes does. This looks it, like... it looks so it looks so good it just looks like it yeah. just looks like a fun a fun time you know um it reminds me a lot of um incredibles 2 like incredibles yeah, 2 is yeah. a really it, fun film and that that's what this film reminded me of yeah i i'm looking forward to luca uh but again uh well okay Here's the other thing with Luca to me is like okay summer vibes right. As someone who knows how parents work and how kids work, because I've worked with them both for quite some time, is that in the summer parents are looking for any reason possible to get out of the house. Yeah. They're not gonna want to spend the day inside, spend movie night inside watching this. And I know people might go like, well, people want to be precautious about the pandemic. Do you want to know what did really well last summer during the pandemic, even in places that were like massive coves of hotspots? Drive-ins. This is the perfect movie to go see at a drive-in too. Yeah. It's a summer vibes movie. I have absolutely no idea why Disney's like, no, we're going to pull that product from the theater and put it on Disney Plus for free. And here's the thing also is what are the two Disney – The Disney has put two – besides Hamilton – uh, they've put down two major movies for free on Disney Plus, and that's Soul and now Luca. And it's like, why are these the free ones? They seem to be the good-looking movies. Yeah. Like I know, I, I know if it's the Black Widow, but like Cruella looks like your standard like Disney like remake, and Mulan was that too. Yeah. Why do these cost thirty dollars when these good-looking movies don't? Right. <laughs> like, right. They're devaluing Pixar. <laughs> yeah. Soul and Soul. Honestly, after I watched Soul. I I was like, no you know, I like no spoilers, Danny. I promise. Um, after I watched Soul, I was kind of like, you know, that felt like I don't know. I I don't want to say that I felt like I ripped off someone, but you know, because I'm paying for the Disney Plus subscription. But also, this was a new release. I watched it not very, not very long after it it released on Disney Plus. And I was like, you know, this uh, this would have been something that I would have seen in theaters. So, yeah. yeah, I know for a fact if Soul was in theaters, I would have seen it like four or five times. Now I'm gonna see it at least once in theaters. Um, we'll see how, how often I watch it again because I find it. I never really rewatch movies at home. I've said it before. Um, whereas I can tell you, I know for a fact of as long as I like it, of course, it would be really funny if I like went to all the trouble to rent a theater for Soul and I don't like it <laughs> after going on about for months. But I, I think I will. I'd be very surprised if I don't. Um, but my point is, I used to always go see these things multiple times. Or like, for example, this summer in the Heights, it's getting that dual release, right? Yeah. I can guarantee you, I'm gonna probably see in the Heights three or four times this summer. Another summerized movie, but you know what? I can see it in theaters compared to. You know, compared to Luca, for whatever reason. Now, now, when they do when they do a dual release and you pay the premiere access to it, do you have premiere access to it for just a certain amount of time? No, or... actually, that is a good that's a good yeah. deal of it. Is that if you have kids, 
and your you know kids rewatch the same things over and over again when they're at a certain right. age. Uh, so if you buy spend thirty dollars to watch Luca once, you can watch it again and again and again. Well, no, no, excuse me, Luca's free. But you know, like if you do that for Black yeah. Widow, you can watch it again and again and again. <laughs> again, Lucas free for some reason. Um, here's the other thing too. I want to go back to devaluing Pixar. Is that recently Pete Doctor took over as the chief creative officer of Pixar? Mm-hmm. And Pete Doctor is, as I've said before on this podcast, the greatest living anime animation director besides maybe Miyazaki. But Miyazaki is like he, he's anime, so I, I count Pete Doctor. Pete Doctor's the greatest American uh, animation director. And he got promoted to be in charge of Pixar. Uh, really post-Soul, uh, he said that uh, Luca actually was not greenlit by him. The one after Luca, I believe, is the first movie he greenlit, which is called Turning Red. It's coming out next March. But anyway, um, my whole thought here is that if I'm Pete Doctor, I'm really mad. Because, first, my what's likely going to be my last movie, Soul, gets sent on streaming. Like, only on streaming. But then my next movie, which is my first one where I'm really in charge of it, uh, even though he didn't greenlight it, he's, he's been very involved with Luca. Uh, it's being sent straight to streaming. Why is Pixar being relegated to being straight to streaming service when Raya gets a dual release? Right. Now, the answer might be that Raya disappointed in dual release, but Raya also is coming out in March, whereas Luca's coming out in June, when again, pan- oh, vaccines will be way more done. But moreover... Even if you don't want to, like, if you're like, no way, drive-ins will be open. Luca is the type of movie that sells out drive-ins. Yes, yeah. it's a kids' well, movie, and I, and I also <laughs> about kids hanging out in summer. I also <laughs> want to point out, like, let's just look at the success of Pixar films. Have they all been bombs recently? No. Well, you, the, like, the only one recently that was really a bomb was Onward, which bombed because it came out a week before the pandemic. Right, hit. right. So that's that's <laughs> so, that's my thing is. Is look at all. I of have the Pixar opinion, even films. about watching Soul. You know, like look. At, I have the sorry. look at the success of of Pixar in theaters, and I'm talking. I have the I've Monsters had, Inc. Sorry. Toy Story, like all of the Toy Stories. Even recently, even recently, Inside Out. Yeah, Inside Out, which is an original film, did like 350 million dollars in the U.S. That's insane. I I'm of the opinion. I've had this opinion for a while, even without watching the movie, especially when Wonder Woman came out and like the reaction was very divisive. Was that Soul would have been the biggest movie of last summer if it had not had a pandemic? Uh, just because Inside Out was huge, from what I could tell, people really like Soul too. Uh, and people, the thing is with Pixar, is that Pixar is uniquely a brand, and in the same way I'd say Raya being counted as a Disney princess is a brand. Uh, when a Pixar movie it has an original concept that actually feels Pixar-y, nothing can like take it down. Like Inside Out, as mm-hmm. I said, and that's really the big recent one though, because Good Dinosaur was kind of disappointing. Uh, Coco, Coco actually did not do that great in the. Well, it did okay in the U.S. It did to expectations in the U.S. and that's probably because of racism, <laughs> to be very blunt. That's why. But overseas, it broke out. It is like the biggest grossing Pixar movie in China by a long shot. In Mexico, at the time, it was the highest-grossing film of all time. Like, new like new Pixar, when it has quality behind it and it looks good, is just, like, it's honestly just as, it's more strong than, like, a Disney movie. Like, Moana. Yeah. Inside Out did more than Moana. Uh, like, Moana's a good movie. Uh, I like Moana a lot. Or even, heck, you can even look at Disney itself. 
without even acknowledging Pixar. It's look at a movie like Moana and Zootopia. They were both about the same in respe- response. They're both Disney movies, but Zootopia is a more Pixar-y movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And Zootopia made like a hundred million more than Moana did. So that's what I mean. It's like a movie that like like Luca, in a normal summer, I would say at least does about two hundred twenty million dollars in a normal summer if it's good. That's the thing. It has to be up to the standard Pixar quality. It can't be like an Onward or a Good Dinosaur or a Brave. It needs to be like a Soul or a Coco. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, well, an Inside Out or a Coco because I haven't seen Soul. Um, but I think Luca might be. And the last thing I want to mention about Luca in particular is I looked at the director's Twitter and do you know what tweet he liked? I'm gonna read it out for you. In fact, I, I, hold on, I gotta find it. I gotta find it because I, I I was like looking at him. I was like, is he gonna comment on this? Because I feel like because it's his debut film, it's his first film he's ever made, and it's not getting a theatrical release. But anyway, so Enrico Casarosa, who's the director of Luca. Uh, oh, cool. There's going to be a press event next week. Uh, thanks a lot, Enrico Casarosa. Uh, anyway, he liked this tweet by some rando, which is why I was surprised he liked it. I have no idea who this guy is. He tweeted at Sketchcrawl, who is, which is the handle as the Luca director, and then at somebody else who I don't know. I think he's a story artist on Luca. I would love to watch this movie in theaters more than any other movie this year. Hope that will be an option somewhere. And he liked the tweet. So clearly the director is not happy about right. this. You know what I mean? Like He's like, what? He's like, yeah, I would love for you to watch my movie in theaters. And that's the thing to me too is like, I think Pixar itself has had an issue recently with cultivating new talent. Because um, Soul, right? Soul and Coco are the two new ones that are really well received. And they're both directed by the old guard. Soul, as I've said, is directed by Pete Docter. And Coco is directed by Lee Unkrich, who has been with the studio since Toy Story 3. Now, he left the studio post-Coco to retire and write books. Because he's like, I've directed enough movies. I've spent 25 years here. I can move on. Which is cool. Good for him. Uh, But my point is, Pixar is in this transition era right now where they need to find new directors. And, again, we come at something where I see a new director who is making a movie about his childhood... Because that's what he said Luca is supposed to be about his childhood. And Disney's just putting it on Disney+. Plus, and he's clearly not happy about it. So it's like, is Pixar going to lose this other, this new talent that they have? That And I'm just... It's it's depressing to me in a way. Because I think Pixar... Well, there's a lot of stuff about Pixar that's depressing. Uh, the sexual harassment scandal that came out a few years ago uh, was really, like, crushing to me, too. Because I... I grew up always wanting to, like, work at Pixar and stuff uh, and make movies for Pixar. And then, of course, their last 10 years, as I've said in the past, they're very, like, hit and miss. But when they hit, they really hit, Mm -hmm. you know? And Luca looks like it would really hit. And uh, I know it's just me babbling on and on about this, but it's just, like, if a Pixar movie can't get released in theaters, what can? What is cinematic if not a Pixar movie, right? Yeah. Uh, like that is what I think of growing up when I got to, went to a movie and it got to be special. It was I got to see uh, Incredibles or Monsters Inc. when I was a kid, and it was like yeah, new Pixar movie, yeah. Even Cars, I remember I was so hyped for Cars one. Even I don't even like Cars. I think Cars is a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's not true. I think Cars is an average movie. It just comes off as bad next to the other Pixar movies at the time. You know. Because when you're when you're surrounded by Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, Incredibles, Up, Ratatouille, and Wally, Cars really stands yeah. out as a oh that's just okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 
but yeah, it's just I see. Yeah, it's just it's just such a depressing thing to me, uh, and especially when I don't care if they're putting it on Disney Plus for free. If there was a theater dual release too, that's really the mm. big thing. And again, I actually again I stick back. I think theaters would probably actually prefer Luca over Cruella. Yeah, I think Luca would do better than a PG thirteen Cruella Deville movie. When, as I've said before, the main audiences that are coming out during the pandemic have been families, and it can be free on Disney Plus and will still do well. Tom and Jerry is free on HBO Max and it's doing well. Granted, HBO Max has less of a reach than Disney Plus does. But I think when it comes down to it, if parents had the choice and provided they had the, like, they were willing to spend the money, that's really the thing, is, like, I'm talking, like, parents who have the money to spare for an activity. If you're a uh, lower class and you can afford Disney Plus, great. I'm glad Luca's on there for free for you. Um, but I would say you can put it up for free and put it in theaters, and a majority of people who can't afford it would rather go see it in theaters. Because it's something to do with your kids. And it's something to do as an adult. You know, as you said, we're adults. We we could see ourselves in summer. Oh, it's hot out. I'm going to the movie theater. Just going to see Luca. It looks solid. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. And as I've said, like, I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know because I, I, maybe you would also just stay at home and watch Luca because it's cheaper. I don't know. But for me, I have, I can say this for a fact. I have HBO Max. I'm going to see it in the Heights probably four or five times in theaters. Even though it's going to be free on HBO Max for me to watch whenever I want. It looks like a Summer Vibes movie. I'm going to see it the way it should be. <sighs> anyway. Uh, but yeah. I could also talk a little bit more about Black Widow if you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in particular, just that Black Widow... As I've said before, I don't know why it's moving to July 9th and being on Premier Access. If it's moving to July 9th, it should just be theaters only. Uh, I think it's kind of a shame that we are in 2021 now granted it is because of a pandemic we still have yet to have a female directed film a sole female directed film direct put out in theaters because captain marvel has a male director people never want to point out but has a female director and a male director black widow is going to be the first female directed marvel movie with a big rollout we've done pretty well but now it's getting the lesser treatment of being on premier access now, we have Eternals coming out soon, but it's still also to me just a shame that we've, like, again, I think Black Widow is too late. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? We've said that before. I think Black Widow should have come out years ago. Yeah. But just because it should have come out years ago doesn't mean it should get second tier status now. Mm -hmm. It should be getting the full rollout. Especially if you're delaying it to July. If it was coming out in May still and they were doing Premier Access, I'd be like, that's a bummer, but whatever, I get it. Moving it to July and doing Premier Access is just, it's an insult. I'm sure Scar Jo is getting paid well for it. Good for her. But uh, it just gets me so mad. These theaters are struggling right now. And they're counting on this stuff. And Disney's just taking it. And I see, again, it's more Luca, though. It's more Luca. Like, you can put it for free on Disney Bus and give it to theaters. It's not an either or. Ugh. Alright. I think I'm ranting. Though. Okay. That, that entire Luca rant, though, is... Very applicable to what my thoughts were on Soul, though, too. Uh, and Hamilton, in a way. But at least Hamilton is a Broadway show, so it kind of makes sense that it wasn't... I didn't miss much by that. I've seen it I've seen it on stage twice. I, I'm not as bummed. It would have been cool, but... Compared to Luca and Soul... And 
I'm gonna say right now, I don't know if I will do the same thing I did for Soul for Luca. It kind of depends on the reviews, but it also kind of depends on the fact that I do think Luca looks like a Summer Vibes movie. I don't know if I want to wait till October when Luca will be on Blu-ray for me to see it in theaters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. So we'll see what I do with Luca. Pro- I, I, if I see it, I'll talk about it here on the, this podcast, probably in the green room. But yeah. Any any thoughts of yourself, Tyler, on the Disney moves this week? Um, I'm guessing. No, I've, I've already, I think I've I already think I'm said kind of, Yeah, we already covered. Yeah, I'm kind of, I've kind of squeezed so. them out of you. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, spoil, uh, spoiler alert, from this point on, we will be discussing the latest episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and possible spoilers for future productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of such future spoilers, but we'll gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Now let's discuss The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode 2. The Star Spangled Man. I hope the next episode is titled Book of Plan. Anyway, the uh, let's give our general thoughts like we always do. Yep, so I thought this episode was better than the previous episode. Um, we're still hopping around subjects of high importance. On that, on that matter, focus on action and the overall plot seems to be pushing the important topics to the side. Uh, I hope Hopefully we eventually get a breather episode where we can actually discuss these important topics. I would agree that this was a much better episode. Uh, probably because Falcon and Bucky were keeping were separate all last week. When Falcon and Bucky meet up, I think this show is a lot better. Uh, last week we didn't get a lot of, we didn't get any of them together. Uh, their dynamic is fun. Uh, but moreover, I think the arrival of U.S. Agent, as we call him, uh, the new Captain America, as the show calls him, I think it gives the show a much more tangible conflict than the Flag Smashers. <laughs> or, uh, oh my gosh, I wince each time that I hear that name. And uh, to jump super ahead, <laughs> it's good to hear that Zemo is not our bad guy, too. I think our bad guy will be U.S. Agent, so that's good to know. But yeah, we can now dig in. So, uh, in the this is more of this was a flashback to last week, um, and I appreciated that they included it in the previously on um, recap at the beginning of the episode. Um, Falcon says symbols are nothing without the men and women giving them meaning. Um, and I, I gotta say, oh, sorry. Come do on. what? Oh, <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that. that I, that I, uh, I was, yeah, I thought, I thought, you know, just the whole, the shield is such a symbol of Captain America. And now that that shield is with us agent, um, it's definitely, it's, it's like, yeah, that shield's, the shields it's become a prop now you know yeah i think uh, the interesting thing for me well this is actually interesting so you know me tyler i think you guys have listening have caught on to this tyler will bring up something interesting then i'll just start talking about the form of like man like it'll be like wow i really thought this choice was good and i'm like 
Well, you know, I thought it was cool how it was a cold open. You know, that's that's, that's how I respond sometimes. Um, and this is one of those, which is like, I don't like that there's previously on. Oh. Or at least yeah. that they're not skippable. I wish they were skippable. Yeah. Um, whereas with WandaVision, to me, having previously on Made sense. were okay yeah. because it was about a TV show. Right. Uh, this was just kind of like... We don't need... Like, I don't need a previously on. I remember what happened last week. Not much happened. And I also want to say that I thought it was really weird uh, that the previously on was... Um, uh, it was... What was it? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was weird that previously I didn't include the best scene last week. I want to know about the loan. <laughs> this episode did not follow up on the bank loan. What the heck, Marvel? Yeah. Give the fans what they want. <laughs> um, so, so anyway. <laughs> yeah, pre- like previously ons, I've, I think that they take the audience as being less intelligent than what we are. Um, I, I've never liked previously ons, but I just wanted to, they said that and I'm like, oh yeah, he said that last week. I'm, so, I'm sure I've asked you this before. Have you watched Avatar The Last Year? I have watched a few episodes like when it was, when it first came out, but I was oh, like, okay. I don't even the know. The worst thing about, I have the DVDs. Uh, <laughs> I'm that guy. I have the DVDs. Even though, to be fair, it wasn't on any streaming service until last May. It was like off those streaming services for the like five years. Then it went on years. Netflix, so I need right? My DVD. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. Uh, but anyway, w- when I re- did my rewatch last year during the lockdown, I watched it on Netflix because the DVDs have unskippable previously ons, mm. and it's like the thing that sucks about Avatar's previously ons. It will be like they'll mention something from twenty episodes ago that you know, on the previous time I'll be like, oh well, I know that's gonna be suddenly important this yeah. time, and it's kind of a spoiler. Now, granted, for this, I don't think it's going to be as bad because it's only six episodes. Right. And thus, like, in the finale, we get previously on, and they mention the bank loan. I'll be like, ah, it's coming back. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of previously ons for that purpose. I think, actually, uh, WandaVision had that episode, issue, too, sometimes. Uh, especially in later episodes. It would, like, it would, like, have the previously on include something from the movie. Mm-hmm. If I remember right now, I'm not thinking about the time when uh, H. Voltron yeah. was used for Patreon. I'm thinking like episode 8, I think the previously on used some stuff from like some movies or like from like the very beginning of the show yeah. where it hadn't been relevant yet. And I was like, well, I know that's going to be relevant this week. Uh, but yeah, previously on, well, it's not that they suck. I get why they exist. I just wish they were skippable. Yeah. Like a very quick, and I don't want to skip intro because I think intros are great. Mm-hmm. I love the Marvel logo. I want to skip the recap only. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so that opening scene, way too many cuts. It was like every two or three seconds, which I can understand. I think it's interesting you noticed this because I didn't. Uh, I, uh, it was, I'm usually the person who was like, stuff I like was that. wanting, I was wanting the camera to give us the full scene because we were having this moment with U.S. Agent and... I the I understand the point of the scene was for them to try to ground him more for us to to kind of we get a an introspective of of this guy and I I thought you know that they mentioned his past um you know playing playing high school football and then I assume his love interest comes in comes in there and talks with him 
and we get a little no, bit of I, character. I, I, I will be very surprised if we see that woman again. Yeah, I would she too. She seems very... Yeah, they, they, they didn't She's say like... any name or anything. So, at least I don't think so. So, I was, I, I was at the point where I was more, let us appreciate the scene. Just make a few cuts when you need to, but let us take in that scene. Let us take in that moment. Um, and then, I, but at the same time, I also thought it was too too much of an intimate scene with you as agent i i didn't feel that we had earned that moment with him just yet especially since he was revealed right at the end of last episode see i'm the opposite i thought that this was a great way to open the episode because we open up an intimate scene it's very disarming yeah because we know the show is called the falcon and the winter soldier but what we're all thinking of, I think it's pretty safe to say that even though this is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, most people are viewing this show as, like, the continuation of Captain America. This is basically Captain America 4, but as a TV show. Yeah. Right? I know like that's a safe thing to say. Especially because we're all kind of assuming Falcon will become Captain America by the end of it. Um, so I thought giving us this opening where it's kind of a bizarro cap, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very much the type of scene that we would get with Chris Evans' cap at the beginning is something but we know something is off here yeah like it's we, we don't like this guy we know he's not saying and then also it's followed up with um the band and i'm gonna i was gonna mention this later but i didn't mention it now one thing that felt very disarming to me is that i noticed that in the sequence that goes up into the interview the only white people in the sequence are uh john walker and then the interviewer everyone mm. else was a person of color yeah and i very much was like this seems very like Disarm, like it, it was very like eerie to me in a way, especially because this show we're focused mostly on Falcon. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we know this show's going to tackle race and stuff. And to me, that was very deliberate that we see everyone talking to John Walker like he's in charge and he's very special, even though we as an audience have no idea, but also he's the only white person on screen for most of us until the interviewer right. comes in. Uh, and the interviewer exists to give the propaganda that he is right yeah uh and i also think it's okay to have this scene because as i said it's eerie to me in a way but also even if you want even if you get that sympathy towards him from this scene the rest of the episode makes us really hate yeah him in a lot of yeah. ways. so it's okay that we had this but again i just want to like i really do think that the intent for this scene is that it is the type of scene you get if say this was an old superhero movie and they just kept going on with steve rogers but they recast him it's very it's meant to feel wrong mm-hmm. and i like that gotcha I, I thought it was i thought it was a good opening. yeah i thought it was a good open i thought it was a great introduction for the actual john walker yeah i i um, was i i thought it was a solid opening um i just wasn't a fan of so many cuts in the locker room oh yeah yeah, yeah sure i didn't i didn't know it was a cut issue myself but i also uh interesting fact for the people listening we're recording this on friday because i didn't have work today but that means we both watched the episode way earlier than we normally did so i probably was still waking up <laughs> i was awake uh, the marvel logo woke me up okay i'll be real there the marvel logo woke me yeah up. <laughs> so let's talk about that uh so as the marvel logo is interest interest wow is introduced um we get a new version of star spangled man which is from Marching a very Man. iconic song to the original uh cap and from first avenger so uh what what are your thoughts on that well what i love hearing that song no matter what <laughs> uh 
The MCU should honestly imagine if you would <laughs> imagine if you would been Endgame. Uh, Thor is getting beaten up by Thanos. All looks lost. Then out of nowhere, Thor's hammer flies through the air and gets into Captain America's hand. You just hear the stars and <laughs> Por- Portals open in the background, and here come the dancers from First Who's Avenger. Who's here to save me? Way in American way. I'm on your lap. <laughs> no, but uh, I liked hearing this song. It was fun. And I also, uh, I thought as a cold open, this cold open was whatever, but... One thing we don't talk about, and I, I can't give enough examples because there's so many examples, and I can't think of them all. The one that always comes to mind is Ant Man, because mm-hmm. uh, I think Ant Man actually has a good use of it. Because I think the actual opening, cold open of Ant Man, cold open of Ant Man, terrible. Yeah, uh, when for... it plays that song over the credits, I mean that song over the logo, it's great. And that's what this reminds me of. Like, ooh, yeah, I forgot what how because WandaVision never did that. WandaVision never played a different that's song true. over the logo. Yeah. Um, so this was like a ah oh, yeah I remember these these are good, um, but yeah, uh, actually oh yeah 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 we can yeah, move on sorry yeah I so wanted, then uh, I'm adding something to the outline sure don't tell the audience oh no they're listening <laughs> uh, so it we go from uh, the locker room then we go through the credits and then we go out to the interview uh, I thought overall. And I'm pretty sure that this sums up what Bucky and Sam feel. But I thought the interview was a bastardization of Captain America. Uh, Did we see Sam watch the interview? We see, yeah, we see. I remember we saw Bucky. Sam Sam watch some of it, yeah. But we get most of it's Bucky watching it. And I, I just, it's, it's all it's back to captain america being about propaganda i will say you wanted that this is this, you well, know, yeah. each time each time that we get like a car honking outside i'm just gonna take that as that's one of our fans that's been listening and yeah, they, yeah that's probably they're just good, honking, good idea they're like, maybe that's it's probably... the recording so yeah way to go fans <laughs> yeah thanks guys uh anyway <laughs> uh well first uh I think it's supposed to serve as propaganda. Uh, I think that's, I, I, I think it's, yeah, it's a good scene. Like, you know, it, it does yeah. what it's supposed to do. I, I want to talk about something again. This is, goes back to my thing where I go like, you know, Tyler always brings up these good points. And I want to talk about like the meta storytelling <laughs> around it. Uh, I think it's really interesting how, like, it's Good Morning America because Disney owns Good right. Morning America, right? That's why. Cross synergy. But yeah. to me, it's like this paints your network in a bad light. Yeah, it reminds me of it like it reminds me like when I'm watching like I think like Kingsman or like the X Men movies, and it's like we're cutting to a serious news report, and it's Fox News, and I'm like, okay, this isn't like this is just here to be like the news reporter, but it's it's accidental political commentary. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it's like you're making Good Morning America look awful. Yeah, so... and they, they could have used. <laughs> The MCU has their own news. Yeah, set, they the guys. WHIH. They, the, they could have brought. They could have brought back Christine. Lockhart, exactly, our favorite MCU. Right, and we would have. We would have known who she. And she would have fit really yeah. well. Because we don't like her, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but I don't know. I thought it was a good scene. Uh, good scene. So I like the opening. As yeah. I said. So uh, I went again. I'll say it again. I wince each time I hear Flag Smashers. 
Uh, it's just, yeah, I'm like, did you run out of names? Or did you put names in a hat well, and just let everybody it is, pick There's it a out? character. Oh, there is? There's a character in Captain America named Flag Smasher. Oh, okay. Well, then that and makes a little who, more sense um, now. The girl whose name I'm forgetting is, I think her name in the show is Carly. But yes. in the comics it's Carl, so it's a gender oh, swap okay. uh, uh, character. Uh, but yeah, uh, well first, I want to talk about her. I really like that she's in this, because uh, I don't really like Solo a Star Wars story, but I think she's pretty yeah. good in it. Uh, and I like that she has a big role in this. Uh, and she's doing pretty... We haven't got much of her yet, but so far I really like the presence she brings yeah, to the show. Yeah, like I actually buy uh, that she's leading this group of people. Yeah. Yeah. But she also isn't, like, she's not a stereotype, you know? She's not, like, one of those, oh, she's so cool type yeah. of You know what I mean? Like, a lot of shows have that. Um, but anyway, I don't really, I'm still confused on what how the Flag Smashers fit into this narrative. Because uh, I get why U.S. Agent's here. Yeah. And I get, obviously, what they're doing with Falcon and Bucky. But I don't understand what how they play into this at all. But that said, they don't seem like they're supposed to be the main bad guy. Um, cause they're depicted pretty sympathetically in my opinion. Um, I also, the, is Zemo going to be our bad guy? Is, uh, John Walker going to be, I still don't, I don't think, I think they can't have John Walker be the main bad guy. You yeah. Know? That wouldn't make much yeah. sense. Um, it might be something where, uh, I don't know. Let's, let's spitball some speculation so I can say I'm right if I'm right. Uh, I guess I could see it playing out like. It turns out the Flag Smashers... Sorry, I have to laugh saying Flag Smasher. Um, the Flag Smashers are actually trying to destroy the serums. Um, but John Walker wants them so he can have it and the government can make super soldiers. I could see that being a yeah. thing. It'd be a bit derivative. I feel like we've had that story very often in this. And then Zemo could play into it because Zemo obviously wouldn't want the super soldier serum gone too. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, that's spitballing. Um, but yeah... Uh, Flag Smashers Very dumb name <laughs> uh, I want to bring up something else Which is I noticed that there was a lot of MCU references this week um, With what the, the The banter about it always being a robot A wizard or uh, Space yeah, God or yeah. I can't remember what the third one was But then also like outright mentioning Doctor Strange Outright mentioning Tony Stark Outright mentioning Bruce Banner uh, Very much reminded me of Far From Home mm-hmm. Not Far From Home Spider-Man Homecoming Spider-Man mm-hmm. Homecoming more does it is that, like, the opening of Spider-Man Homecoming, they, like, mention every Avenger. Because they're like, we want to make sure you know this is part of the canon. And that reminded... This makes me think this might be an artifact of this supposed to be the first TV show. Right. Because if you remember, the past TV shows are kind of more, like, canon adjacent. Yeah. They're not really canon. Um, well, you know what I mean. Like, at the time, they were, like... But so all these references to me were kind of, like... Oh, we want to make sure you know this is connected to it all, even though, honestly, the presence of Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan should be enough. Uh, I, d- I did find the Gandalf-Hobbit banter to be humorous, with the Bucky saying... That, I yeah. like that, too. It was yeah, fun. Cause... I, I I feel like the fish-out-of-water stuff kind of ended with Ultron, Age of Ultron for yeah. Cap. You know, they stopped making those jokes. So it was a nice callback to that type of joke, and I really liked the delivery of, like, yeah, I read it when it first came out. Right. <laughs> I was a fan before it became popular. Yeah. Um, and then and then just to continue on the subject of Bucky, I thought Bucky jumping out of the plane was ridiculous. Um, because I was kind of like, okay, 
Yeah, I know you got the superheroes, like the super soldier serum, but say that five times fast. But uh, superheroes need vulnerabilities, and how many how many times are we gonna see heroes jump out of a plane and <laughs> return unscathed? I, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was pretty funny. Because uh, it's like, it's we see it from his point of view. He's like very clearly trying to like grab a tree on the way down and fail. Yeah. Then he hits the ground. And the plane was low. It like, was. The plane it's, is almost I, scraping those trees say, when they, they jump out. They even say that it's too low for a parachute. So. Yeah. So, I, I, this was something Cap could do. And yeah. so, as such, Bucky could do it. So, I wasn't bothered by it. See, I just thought he always. Being ridiculous. And I think it was intended to be a joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I And he landed on his arm. He landed on his arm, didn't he? No, I, he thought he landed on his back. Well, even even yeah. so, it's funny. But, I don't care. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like, it worked to me as whatever, a joke. Tyler, it, you're wrong. That's basically no. it for me. Is like if it works as a joke, I yeah. won't care. Uh, uh, the next thing I noticed was uh when uh was when Falcon was like, "Look at you, White Panther," and he was like, "I'm the White Wolf," and Falcon was like, "What?" And the way that was framed to me felt more like it was teasing, like they're going to talk about that yeah. more. Uh, which would be interesting, because I would like to delve into Bucky's recent past. And yeah, I think we... I don't know how they'll do yeah. it. I don't know. I don't think... I think Wakanda's kind of expensive to put on TV currently. I know they're doing a Wakanda show. Um, but it's also like, who would we even see Bucky interactive? Are we going to get Leticia Wright on this show as a guest star? I don't think so. I think Don Cheadle will be the only ever MCU guest star we really have on this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have a reason for that that I'll talk at the end about the credits. Um, but, yeah, it would be cool to see... I'm curious if we're going to delve into that or not. But, yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think that we'd get some cool flashbacks if we if we'd look into Bucky's uh, Wakanda past. Um, the continuity of abilities, Bucky running fast, that was appreciated. Um we got that in civil civil war so yeah, yeah. that kind of goes with what i have next so i'll just jump ahead and say it um i thought this fight sequence was so much better than the ones we had last week um because of the sense of speed you felt when they fell off the truck constantly that they were actually in yeah. danger uh, and I really like that because it kind of like again it reminds me of I was I don't know why I constantly bring this up but the scene in The Incredibles where Dash is running uh, that to me is, a, is like the gold standard for a sense of speed in an action yeah. scene uh, and it reminded me of that like when Bucky fell to the ground and he was like just desperately trying not to be left behind uh, kind of also is very Fury Road-esque not as much though I, I, I'm always very apprehensive to refer to something as Fury Road-esque Fury Road is like the greatest action one of the greatest action movies ever made but I just like the sense of speed it was very good well done yeah 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 I like I liked it I liked it too I also liked that um it wasn't dominated by Falcon and Winter Soldier that you know yeah. that US agent coming in there US agent I mean they know for the rest of I the show I miss seeing some shield fighting huh I miss seeing some shield fighting yeah cool. yeah so I mean we know that Bucky and Falcon both I don't want to say they owe their lives to US Agent, but US Agent saved them in that moment. You know. So uh so yeah. Um uh rest in pieces, Red Wing. We finally got him back last week and now he's gone. So 
Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, sorry. I, I was I was also looking at the Do you want to talk about this page? I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, bye, Red Wing. We'll miss you. So sad. I think we'll be back for the finale. Let's be real. We'll we'll love we'll love Red Wing back. Yeah. I could just see it. Imagine if you would. Falcons at the end of his ropes in the fight, and then Bucky flies in Red Wing to save the day, and Falcons just like. I knew you were my friend. And Bucky's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then, uh, speaking of, well, no. Uh, well, Red Wing was kind uh, of yeah. a uh, kind of a sidekick for Falcon. And speaking of side... Now Bucky's. Speaking of sidekick, um, let's talk about uh, U.S. Agent sidekick. Uh, Battle, Battlestar? His wingman. His wingman, yeah. So yeah. we got Battlestar. Uh, yeah, Battlestar, who uh, I was unaware was going to be a part of this show. Same. But, yeah, I'm curious how he will play into the race storyline. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I just actually saw an interesting thing. We both have his Wikipedia page open right now. Uh, I found this interesting thing that uh, he was originally named Bucky uh, to replace Bucky when Captain America was replaced around the same time. Um, but Dwayne McDuffie, who is like one, I know, I don't know if you know Dwayne McDuffie. He's a very, uh, famed, uh, comic book writer who also created Static Shock. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He created Static Shock. Uh, he informed the creator of Battlestar that Buck is a derogatory term for African-Americans because that's what they would call male slaves. And as such, they're like, well, we can't call him Bucky which is how he was renamed Battlestar. And then he was explicitly presented as a partner more than a sidekick. I get more of a sidekick vibe here, yeah. though. Heavily more of a sidekick yeah. vibe. In fact, I didn't even get that he had powers here. It was just like he had a cool soup. Yeah. Soup, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, he's... In the in the comics, he's given... Um, he's given superhuman strength. Um, and... I mean, he's he's heavily involved. Right, he's in during the Civil War storyline. He um, is lined up with those opposed to the superhuman superhuman registration act. So he would have been on Cap's team um, in that one. Uh, he also confronts and fights the U.S. agent in the conflict. So, so yeah, I it's uh, definitely Marvel Studios taking their own. Uh, spin on this on this character, but uh, I do want to say with him. Yeah, uh, I, I really do want to say this. As I looked up the actor, yeah. right? Um, and he apparently did you ever watch Total Drama? No, <laughs> the cartoon Total. Oh, he played Chef Hatchet and DJ. If you'd seen the cartoon, you'd be like, oh, right now, but you haven't. So now it's just like one of those awkward moments, like when you show someone a YouTube video and you go, oh, this is really funny. They just stare at it. Uh, so never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh, so we we revisited some uh, Civil War music themes in this episode, which it was very nice, very nice to do that. Yeah. Well, it was also I, okay. I, I do want to say not just Civil War; it was also Winter yeah. Soldier. because uh, it's just the Cap theme from it's Henry Jackman's Cap Cap theme, which is okay. I, I'm more impartial to Alan Silvestri's, which is why the Star Spangled Man appearance was much more yes mm-hmm. to me. But yeah, um, 
Yeah. I don't know. It was fine. You know, like, it, it was good to have the call. I like musical continuity. I like it more than a... You like you like ability continuity. I'm like, give me some useful continuity. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's the stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just had kind of like a weird realization, which I think we could talk about right now, uh, even though we're not done yet, is like... It seems, I think this show has less to talk about. <laughs> and that's not a bad yeah. thing. I don't think it's designed to have as much to talk about as WandaVision. WandaVision was a mystery box show. So you were constantly looking for like the clues of where the plot yep. would go. But this show is very straightforward on its yeah. storyline. Which is why to me it feels even... I said at the end of WandaVision it became a TV as movie. Which is like this, you know, the concept that like this is designed as a movie mm-hmm. first. Uh that's like the end of WandaVision. So this is, I think, all the way through is designed to be a movie. I wouldn't be surprised the way this episode is structured, and particularly how it picks up last week's cliffhanger, is that the this I had read that initially both WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier were written to be binges, and then they saw how well The Mandalorian did uh, in engaging with community, and that's why they switched to weekly releases. Oh, I see. Um... Whereas WandaVision, I think, obviously was designed to be episodic yeah. anyway. This, uh, yeah, I'm getting more the vibe that this is designed to be a binge watch. Because uh, even though I think we can talk about a lot of stuff here, there's not a lot to speculate on uh, or really get into, which is fine. It's, I'm just pointing it out right now that this is a different type it of is. TV show. And I think that's worth yeah. mentioning. yeah. I mean, I think, although I guess that kind of goes without saying, this is not about a grieving witch and her robot husband. Uh, but, you know. Well, <laughs> um, anyway, back, back yeah, to the episode. Yeah, so I thought uh, MCU-wise, bringing up the Super Soldier Serum uh, and its history is a commentary on not only Bucky, but also Bruce Banner's Hulk and the Abomination. Well, yeah, um, but... I think it's worth noting the Super Soldier Serum. Bleh, again, that's that is a yeah. tongue twister. You're right. Um, it's a commentary on. I think well, it's brought up in relation to Isaiah, who I think is a very interesting character. I want to look up who the actor was. I thought he did very well in his scene, and I'm pretty sure we will be returning to that character. I, be I, weird I hope I hope we do. I think we need to. I think it'd be very weird if we don't. I think it might just be Falcon who returns him. I think Bucky won't necessarily return with him um but i think it's more interesting to relate isaiah's experience of getting it and then being in prison and being tested on for next 30 years with how our government in its past has often tried to cover up medical experimentation on african americans and other minorities now i don't think it's supposed to be a direct parallel uh because obviously this is a comic book show and that's like a real life atrocity but I think it's meant to evoke stuff like the Tuskegee syphilis study and other similar racist uh, transgressions in our past in regards to science and experimentation. Uh, which I think is an interesting idea to bring up, but I hope it's more than just bringing up. As we said, I hope we return to this and we get more in-depth. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, U.S. agent... Uh, I need I need jumping Cap's, back a bit. yeah jumping back to him. Uh, I need Cap's wingman comment. I I did not, and then I liked uh, Sam's response to that. And he's like, yeah, that's how how it always is, or that's what's wrong, or, you know, 
yeah, basically he just points out, he's like, that's what's wrong, is he's like, you just want me as a wingman. Um, and I I thought, yeah, that's that's really good to be be aware I actually, of. I took it as something besides, I mean, yeah, the wingman part is like an insult, because of course he's, he's the Falcons, he's like, ah, ha, ha, very funny, yeah. you know? Uh, but I took it as, uh, he wants to be Captain America, right? John Walker yes. wants to be Captain America. I'm trying to sing John Walker instead of U.S. Agent, because he hasn't got that. That's true. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, John Walker wants to be this new Captain America. And if he's surrounded by Winter Soldier and Falcon, can anyone really deny he's Captain America? No. Instead, he has uh, low-rent, if you want to call him low-rent Winter Soldier or low-rent Falcon. Because no one knows who Battlestar is. I'm being totally honest. I just We just looked at his Wikipedia page. I'm like, I, I can't really right. decipher yeah. anything here. <laughs> um so I, to me, it's like he wants them on his side just for the publicity, uh, which would make sense for him. But then at the end of the episode, he's like, "Yeah, I want your help, really, guys." And he's like, "No." They're like, "No, we'll do it on our own." But yeah. But uh, anyway, you want to move on? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. yeah <laughs> I really sure. don't have that much to say. Um, and then again, with the cop incident, all is forgiven, just like the loan. Um, scene all is forgiven based on uh sam's celebrity status uh i felt like the cops showing up were a little convenient uh unless john walker called the cops on bucky and sam knowing that cops being what they are would immediately assume the worst of sam uh, and then also knowing that bucky misses fair feet you know? right so no matter what it's a win-win situation for him whether the cops are racist or not um but I I like the scene. It's a good scene. Uh, but it did remind me of a scene in House of Cards that's very similar and I thought it was a bit better. Uh, that said, I can't really ever recommend House of Cards to anyone. It's not really that good. Uh, especially now. But even before the Kevin Spacey thing, it wasn't that great of a show. Um, but I think it's good. I, I like I like that moment involving the racism and i like the, I, I we don't have this in it's not racism but i like the acknowledgement of like my dad calls you black falcon and he's like oh so are you just black kid? yeah yeah <laughs> i, I like really well and joke. i like because like <laughs> to be to be honest uh sam well and this is more over probably Ant, more of just anthony mackie coming out in the in the character but he can be very he can be a jerk and this was where it was it was funny where he you know um he's kind of like look labels kid labels you know uh so yeah, yeah. no I, I like that scene that scene too it gra- it grounded falcon and you can coin that so uh i really liked the therapy scene to me, it was the best part of the episode. Again, I think this show excels when it slows down. So, uh, awkward. I actually thought this scene was the worst part of the episode. <laughs> uh, it felt very forced to me. It existed only to get the emotional exposition out of the way for Bucky and Falcon to put their like thoughts on the table. And to me, it just felt kind of lazy. Because, like, okay... I get that Bucky needs therapy, but her being like, oh, we need you here too, Sam. And Sam being like, well, I can't disagree. No, that's I didn't buy that. Uh, Sam could have been like, nah, I'm out. Like, you know, it, it would, it would, like, what would she have done? He wasn't required. He wasn't ar- He wasn't the one arrested. Like, it, it would felt very forced to me. 
It was there to get their emotions out. And for to give you the ultimatum that, like, once we're done here, we're never seeing each other again, which we know isn't right, going to be true. Right. Like, we know that's not going to... Unless, like, Bucky dies at the end of this, which I don't think will happen either, Spoilers. you know? No. So. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that it feeling... It should feel forced because those two very clearly don't want to to be there. You know, I mean... Uh, Bucky, well, I, yeah, Bucky very clearly the... um, like skipped his therapy session on purpose. You know, he knew he knew when his next session was. Um, and now I like the thing with where she's like, "You too, Sam, come along." I think Sam goes went along more of he doesn't know who this therapist. He doesn't know her intent. And also, he still wants to look out for the welfare of Bucky. Deep down, he still wants the best for Bucky. And plus, he can still use Bucky to help him achieve whatever he's trying to get to. Not saying that's what their friendship is about, you know, or what what they're about. But yeah, I just I, I I'm just not a. I feel like in general, therapist scenes are kind of just always in stuff to be like, well, this is how we get their emotional monologue in it. Yeah, we can't. Like, get there. But in this case, it was just such a... It existed to give you, like... This is why Bucky is sad. Even though we all knew why Bucky was sad. We didn't need it explicitly stated. And for Anthony Mackie to be like, Yeah, well, when we're done here, we won't ever see each other again. And Bucky's like, yeah, good. And it's like, okay. I didn't think it was needed. Uh, I thought it was forced. I didn't think it was that funny either, so... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Tyler. (laughs) Uh, do we want to talk about Zemo briefly before we go on to the, talking about the credits? Because I want yeah, to talk about the credits. Yeah, so Zemo, um, I, th- I, I don't know. They, they're like, hey, we, let's go talk to, let's go talk to Zemo. He's the one who's going to know all about Hydra's secrets. Um, and, and I think that was a good way of bringing Zemo into it. If they weren't going to go with how you had mentioned before, where Zemo's just kind of running running amok, um, then... Well, as long as Zemo hasn't been snapped. Right. You know, if he's been in that prison for five years, I'm okay with <laughs> But, uh... But, yeah. But, uh, it... My thing with Zemo, and this is, again, nothing... This is one of my... The form is, like, I really like the cross, the fade from, uh, what's it? The circle where the bird's-eye view of Falcon and Bucky walking to the circle we know from Winter Soldier that's near where he imprisoned in yeah. Berlin. Yeah. I like that. It was a cool moment. Nice. I wanted a bit more Zemo this episode, but I also like it's okay. We can, yeah, you know, yeah. I just, I, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for Zemo. Zemo. Uh, well, before we talk about what we're ready for, I want to talk about the okay. credits. <laughs> um. Okay. So this is actually a. I'm gonna make this point, but actually, I think Kevin made this point to me last week. Well, okay. Before I get to that is Anthony Mackie was built first. Yay, they are doing the alternating thing. Yay. Uh, my vote is that Anthony Mackie should always be built first, though, still. So, too bad. Uh, but the other thing I noticed was, and my I think Kevin pointed this out to me via text last week, is that you can notice when they're missing um, names in the credits of this show compared to WandaVision, where they just would leave the names up a bit yeah. longer. Uh, but in this case, I don't know if you watched the credits this week, did yeah. you? 
so like where the Don Cheadle credit was last week, it was just the blank background or same thing where yes, it was, was so weird. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, oh, okay, now I get what Kevin's talking about. It's very noticeable now that I know what we're missing yep. here. Yeah, um, that, that was really weird. Yeah, I don't know why they don't just cut those like cuts and like truncate the music a bit. I don't think Henry Jackman would mind recomposing it to be yeah. shorter. But whatever. Also, you can always just fade the end. Like we, yeah. we're so accustomed. Yeah, you can to... play that. You can play that music into the the normal crunch yeah. of it if you want. Yeah, yeah, you can just crossfade right there. But yeah, yeah. All right. Well, again, as I said, I, we didn't have much to discuss. I think I might have ranted longer about Luca than we discussed this <laughs> I think this so, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Luca podcast. <laughs> so we can title it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so predictions for next All week. Right. Zemo! Yeah, I want more Zemo. And a uh, team up of Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Zemo. So I'm looking forward to it. Zemo. Hashtag Zemo. Uh, it's trending. Uh, I want answers on if Zemo was snapped. I presume I'll get it rather quickly. You know, I feel like that would be one of the first things to come up. <laughs> um, it would be really weird if they just leave it in. <laughs> he just never honestly, says anything imagine. about the snap. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Uh, or anyway, or guys, like... Or like just, uh... He doesn't mention anything about like, what he's been doing like in jail for the last. They're sitting around a campfire, and Bucky's like, after I came back from the snap. And then he gives us this deep emotional story. And then Falcon's like, yeah, when I came back from the snap, blah, blah, blah. And then Zemo's like, do you remember me telling you about my wife? <laughs> and he, he just goes into this <laughs> whole different subject. He's like, I just spent the last five years sitting. In a cell. Yeah, that'd be so, Oh, my gosh, that'd be so bad. But... Uh, I also think we're going to see Cher next week because she was mentioned this week in dialogue. And also, next week, after next week, we're halfway done with the show because uh, this is only six episodes, which is kind yeah. of crazy. Uh, so I presume we'll see Cher next week because she was marketed as one of the leads of this show. So I assume she'll be in it before it's halfway done. Um, but yeah. All right. I think that's our episode. I think so. Wow. I think so, too. We're really short this week. This will be, I think this is going to be our shortest podcast, unless, I can't remember, I guess we'll have to look up how long our WandaVision episode 3 one was, that was pretty short too. Uh, but yeah. Alright. If I only hadn't ranted about Luca, who'd be even shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can catch us on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also listen to us on YouTube at our channel, Why Is, with Ty and Dan. You can also follow us on Twitter at Why Is with Ty and One, as I'm number one. And follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at Blank Burns for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU, preferably ones in theaters. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's our week. Have a great one, Have everyone. Have a great one. Bye-bye.